Hello and welcome back to Brain Fart. This is awkward because you're the first guest, Josh, you're the first guest that I've had where I've had to do an intro. Um, that, that's that, that like, sorry, you're the first proper guest I've had. All the other guys are fake. Like I've known them for like, too long. If we had, do we have like a, you know, an intro, like Brain Fart, welcome back. This is episode number like eight or whatever, but I guess it's just, a, it's like a formal you have to like formally uh introduce me, eh? I gotta formally introduce you? You could you could do Or that no, that that's not what I meant, but instead of like having you know how some podcasts have like this sound intro and then instead we're just like and we're back. This is episode number eight of Brain Fart. It's episode nine, but in Okay, this, well in this you know season. what? I was close enough. No, 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 that's fair, that's fair. Okay, okay. Okay. So <laughs> Welcome back. Episode nine, brain fart. Special, extra special guest here. Good friend of mine, a good coworker of mine, a good colleague of mine. Josh. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the applause. Yeah. Um, studio audience is is uh is appreciating you right now. Give um, okay. So so give your give your two two minute pitch. Two minute pitch. Uh, yeah, so my name's Josh. I worked with Taha for, I guess, has it been two years now? I'd round up and say two years. years. It's been, wait, is it been two years? I think so. Or maybe a year and a bit. We started working together at the um, summer the residence of, desk. Summer of 20, 20, 2018 or 19? 2018. You know what? It might have been 19, but it just feels like it was so long ago. No, it was like 29. Oh, it was 2019. Yeah. 2019 feels like it was three, four years ago to me at this point. It, it honestly does. Well, well, cause 2020 was a year, you know, was the year. Um, yeah. I just try and blank out everything that's happened that year, but yeah, 2019. Um, I mean, we met at the residence desk. Uh, we were working for conference services for Carleton university to be honest, arguably the best summer job I've ever had. I don't know if you can it was, it was, say the it same was, thing about it. It was great. I worked overnights, but but um, I think besides the overnight part, like especially near the end, when you remember when we were like working the, like I was working during the day. Yeah, towards for, like, the very the end there, right? Like the very last bit. Those were like, I think the days that I enjoyed the most. So I, to be honest, I, I don't. Back, yeah, I don't even remember the fact that you worked overnights. Like to me, it just feels like you were just part of the squad. Like maybe because we would like hang out and do things so often apart from work. But to be honest, it was, I just yeah. forgot you're on overnights. Yeah, well, we did all the movie nights, and then we. Do you remember when we played volleyball at the at the Carlton one, right? Yeah, the Carlton, Carlton. Yeah, you know, after like after work or was it? no, that was after the movie night. Um. Yeah, no. So for, for, for context, so the yeah, audience kind of knows what we're talking about. Um, we were working the desk, so the residence desk. If you know like many universities, they have like a residence desk, which is like the central operation. Like if you get locked out, you can go to the desk, you can sign out keys. That desk turns into sort of like a hotel reception in the summer. So well, what well, our role this was, year. well, not this year, I mean, but the year that we were working there. Ottawa's um, largest so hotel. Ottawa's largest hotel. I forgot about that too. That's great. 
Sorry, I still I still see that, that that email signature. Sorry, I'm cutting you off a lot, but but I'm I'm just trying to throw in the. You know jokes what? It's there. great. Keep doing it. <laughs> no, I um, will. I was gonna say we do. Yeah, Ottawa's largest hotel, up to 3,600 guests. Um, we pretty much use most of the residence buildings, and we have we host conferences, host individual families. Um, Josh, how much are you much getting art. paid to to read this this ad read? <laughs> read this ad. You know what? I should just can work I with them right can now. I. Yeah, no, well, I work for them right now, so, uh, but they don't pay me enough to advertise them. So I just see. You but, know what? Okay, all in all, it was a hotel operation. We were at the front desk, and yeah. it was a lot of fun. It may sound like it's not that much fun, but um, it was chill. It was just like really I, I think the my favorite part was the the chats, like the the conversations you'd have. Cause it yeah, was, definitely. It, yeah, never a dull moment. That. Like you'd think, oh, this is dull. Um, like you, you just kind of check people in, solve some issues. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a like a mentally intense job, but it was the the people at that job were great, and um, yeah, no, no, I I think that it didn't feel like I worked overnights because the overnight shifts overlapped in the morning, and then they overlapped in the evening. So we still saw you every day, so that's yeah. probably why. And I'm a social person, so like, like in those you know three hours of talk was enough, right? <laughs> right, three hours of talk in the evening. That's like that up. feels like that feels like eight hours of talk, right? But like you're working the whole I, shift with me. Yeah, I never got the full. Uh, was it a twelve hour shift for you? I never got the twelve hour talk experience. Oh yeah, no, Jad got. There were eleven hours. There were eleven hour shifts, and okay. um jad jad got the full, <laughs> jad got the full uh jad was the other uh, other overnight for context uh because we're, we're giving I, I give no context with stories i just kind of let them play out so i appreciate you giving context <laughs> because um i bet people are confused when whenever they listen to this but um jad got the full 11 hour experience um of like a caffeine fueled like just talkative talk it's it's the it's probably the worst thing ever but <laughs> it sounds great to me caffeine filled order some food just chill for a lot oh yeah we used to just order uber eats late at night and just just sometimes it would pizza pizza he he loved jad loved pizza pizza i don't know if you know this he he i remember he used to order pizza all the time no but he loved pizza pizza and i'm like how are you how do you love cardboard and then i've always was been a a, kind of a domino's guy myself exactly that's why we respect you that's why you're on the show because you're a domino's guy and i mean domino's speaking of here. speaking of uber eats you just kind of sparked something in my memory um i was listening to a podcast the other day and they do this really cool thing um where every friday it's called fat friday and they order something new on Uber Eats and they review it on the podcast. And like, doesn't that sound amazing? Well, not for me. <laughs> so why not? Do you do you remember that I'm allergic to egg? Oh. So yes, so I do now. so for me, me the, my relationship with food very simple. We find the two to three options that we enjoy. And then we eat the hell out of them until we're bored. And then we 
you know so so the whole doing a new thing every friday would be like it would be an experiment it would be like um am i gonna die am i going to have an allergic reaction be sick for days like is that what's happening um so yeah Yikes. i don't know it sounds exciting i wish it, i was it does sound very exciting you know what i feel like your uber eats um what's like normal to you would still be crazy to me because i've barely tried anything on uber eats like i'll get mcdonald's or i'll get like domino's i think the first time what did we get that one time when we were working we ordered food it was some kind of chicken and it was the first time i'd ever had it was it mary what? brown's was it mary brown's i think it See, the fact that I don't remember this is Popeyes. kind of telling. Popeyes. Oh, it was Popeyes. It, what, why, why did that take me so long? I'm, I'm the biggest Popeyes fan. <laughs> My first ever time eating Popeyes. Um, it was an experience for me. I think it was pretty good. I'd, I'd definitely order it again. You, have you had the chicken sandwich? Like the, the new remember. chicken sandwich? Did I get tenders? I think you got tenders. I got chicken because I always get the... Yeah, bone chick. But um tenders, fries. It was definitely an experience though. Like I'd hundred percent get that again. You have a Popeyes near you? I wouldn't say near 10, 10, 15 kilometers away, maybe. That's pretty close. Would you would you so so you say you like Popeyes, but I'm trying to detect if you're a fake fan or not. No, I like, I mean, I've had it one time, and, and this is what I'm saying, like, when you say... See, but you got a Popeye's getting, like, 10 to 15k like... from you, you got a Popeye's <laughs> 10 to 15k from you, and you still haven't tried it a second time? Hmm. You know what, it's been a pandemic, Talha, don't blame me. They I mean, arguably, take that out, would mean bro. I could eat more food. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my point here is that I think your uh, even your your Uber Eats experience is much more varied than mine. So you know what, Fat Fridays might work. We can just get like KFC every Friday. Yeah, no, I'm down. I'm down to <laughs> KFC. I hate KFC. I um, I'm an adamant KFC hater. Yeah, I've also only had KFC one time in my life as well. Do you not eat fried chicken? What 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 is no. wait what what is this? Hold up, hold up. <laughs> we need to digest this. <laughs> so you don't Time need. To dig okay, into what's that. your what's your what's your? I'm like I'm stumbling over my words because I can't like, even like process. Like go to it. Uber Eats food. Yeah, See, no, no. I don't eat. I don't eat Uber Eats that often, so I think that's just the problem. Okay, what do you what do you eat then? What's your typical food? Um, good question. Um, I'm a fan of ramen, sushi. I'll go get those all the time. Um, if we're going to talk about like chicken, there's this really cool Portuguese place near me called the chicken place where they do like this peri peri sauce on the chicken sandwich. Get that every single time. It's great. So like, um, so it's more like, like, uh, Asian food. I guess so. I, I guess it's just not as much like fast food. Like I don't have like Burger King, McDonald's, KFC, Taco Bell. Like I don't really have those on the regular. Like, and if I do, 
I'll just typically go to like McDonald's and get like a junior chicken or something. Like I, I don't eat out I see. that kind of food that often. And that, I think that's what leads back to the fact that I've just never tried it or I've tried it once is because I just don't go there that often. Are you like a health nut? I don't, I, 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 I've never heard about this. See, I, no, I wouldn't call myself a health nut. I just don't see like even me just trying to figure it out right now. <laughs> I just don't really go eat that kind of stuff. Like I like to, but I guess, I guess you could say I'm more careful about what I eat in that regard, but I wouldn't peg it as being like a, like I definitely don't look at everything I eat and say, you know, is it healthy? Okay. Okay. I'm just checking. Just, just, <laughs> I didn't mean that offensively. Oh and, no, I, uh, I didn't take it like that. Yeah. No, that's and good. I'm not that's vegan. Good. Don't worry. Um, there we go. Well, well, you know, you're 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 fit, dude. You're like, I think you're taller than me, right? I think you're taller. Maybe just a tad. Yeah. No, but you're fit, dude. You're you're the pilot. The you know, pi pilot. I feel like. See, see, pilots have to be good looking, or they have to be like <laughs> old. You know what I mean? Or old. See, that's the other one, right? There's a, there's a there's a one or the other. Like if you think of young pilots, they're attractive. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak on that. Okay, but, no, that's no. fine. That's fine. <laughs> Wait, so how case, much how much um it. how much progress have you made, like on ter in terms of being able to fly? I would say pretty well. Like over the past, it's kind of been my COVID uh, project over the past couple of months. So I've slowly been like ramping it up, but I would say um, I'm almost there. Maybe I want to say 20 or 30 hours short. I've been going probably three times a week since the beginning of December. Yeah. Um, I've seen it on your Instagram, like the one or two times I've opened Instagram. I've seen, um, I've seen pictures of you flying. So I believe. Yeah. It. So I, I needed something to do because you know how the quarantine is right now and lockdowns. I mean, for me personally, I always find that I need to set goals to keep moving forward. Um, so this just happened to kind of interline with my goals. And I was like, you know what? I have the time now. I'm not at university right now because of all the shutdowns. Like I might as well get it done now so I can feel like I've achieved something. Right. Which is fair. Are you, are you in classes right now? I'm in uh, on, I'm only taking three classes right now, actually, but I'm in some, yeah. And are you graduating this April? That's a very good question. Um, I can. The question right now is, do I want to or do I not, which may be controversial. Do I want to add a minor? At this point, I'm thinking I will. Um, but again, it depends on the job market for me. I, um, I think it's a good idea to stay in school, man. And that's kind of what I've been leaning towards as well, um, which is why earlier we were talking about, you know, should I return to RLS next year? Or what should I do next year to keep me occupied? Because I also feel because of all this COVID thing, like I haven't, it's not good, like closure, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't feel like ending my university career on this note is necessarily a good thing. I, okay, so, so I agree with you. I, I don't think the closure thing matters to me. So like no. the the idea of like having to end off on a specific like on a specific note to me doesn't really like I don't concern myself with that. For me it's it's more like the job market thing you said where I'm like okay well 
I could have I could have graduated in April. I would have had to take like six courses, and I'm taking five right now. So I moved two courses to another semester, and I'm gonna pick up another two courses I'm interested in. So, um, basically, I'm adding one semester to my degree, but at the end of the day, it puts me out in 2022 Jan. Which it's not is, that much difference at all. Which isn't like too thing, too bad, but at least hopefully by then vaccinations are hopefully you know something and the job market is like opening back up in some capacity i've always said to people who were like um before i was considering like staying for another year or half year um that it really doesn't matter like when you graduate like if you add four months onto your degree if you add a year it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things i i've always thought yeah i think the I think the era of people you know, will argue. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Like a lot of people will argue, you know, I'll be like a year behind my peers and like the job market and that kind of thing. And I just really just don't see it that way. Like you take an extra year of school, you take your time. In the grand scheme of things, I've just never seen how it matters that much. I kinda I don't I don't I, I kinda see the I see the other side though. Is cause you pay a lot of money to be in school. And the idea that you're paying money and every semester you're paying is extra money, you know, the, the whole idea is like, okay, get in, get out as quick as, as quick as you can. And I think that's a mindset a lot of people have. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think actually now that you're saying it, um, I think I didn't really, I'm not really looking at it like a university side and looking at it from like a life perspective about like, how it's better to just if you get it done then you get it done not being like i have to complete this task in this specific timeline and then if you don't meet that you end up being you know um sad or not sad just the whole thing about timelines right like i feel like everyone has their own pace and if you can complete it complete your goals in like an extra semester an extra year it's a lot better than worrying about a specific timeline if you know what i'm saying I, I, I don't know. I, I think we're, t- I think we're both in agreement. I think my, like my take on it is more like the, the cost and like university perspective. And like you said, yours is more like in the grand scheme of things, yeah. an extra four months on your life, not going to be the end of the world. An extra year, even and, and like an extra two semesters, like is not going to, you graduate a year later. It doesn't really matter. You might actually graduate in a better mental state. So yeah. like, how, do, how does that play into it? Right. Like, I mean, I also think it's different because, um, you know, you're in engineering and it's kind of, uh, it's more dependent on like, as you were talking about, like job market, co-op opportunities, that kind of stuff as well. Right. That's fair. But I think COVID in general, if, if it was a regular year, like if it was a regular year, I probably would have pushed to finish, um, just based on the financial aspect of it, but the fact that it's COVID and classes are online, access to profs, TAs are like absolute shit. Um, it's difficult for me to justify putting myself through that much pain just to graduate with terrible grades and being unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that sounds fair to me. Yeah, but at the same time, I, 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 like, I empathize with people who are like, I just need to finish because I need to afford this. And they hunker down and they finish, right? Or like, you know, they hunker down and, and deal with the, you know, the shitty grades and they just finish. They finish in four years or they finish in three and a half and like, you know, take summer school and everything. I, I just personally think that like the benefits are not there with that plan. Because you're just going to mentally go insane. And then you yeah, pay for therapy. How, uh, I don't know how you engineering students do it half the time. It's, um, I don't know. I saw this meme. It was like, but with caffeine and anger, you do anything. <laughs> 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 um, no, but I, I, I think that engineers, we get this rap for we work really hard and blah, blah, blah. But we're also like, we're also like junkies, you know? Like we're, we're also like, like straight up druggies. <laughs> we we enjoyed that pain in some capacity um and the people who don't enjoy it end up usually dropping it or usually switching into something else how's how's your uh capstone coming are you doing that this semester yeah i'm building um i'm building the race car okay. uh all right you know the the formula student car uh it's it's tough it, it kind of sucks because uh covid again covid affects everything i'm sorry but we're gonna talk about COVID. like in person or is it just like it's mainly it's car? it's all virtual i'm in charge of the 3d model for the car uh and like the simulation space models for the car which is like it's interesting and i'm glad that i picked the role i did but it's definitely a challenge to not physically see the car and um be actual like we're not able to work on it because of the lockdown we had like restrictive uh like testing before but i wasn't able to come out because i'm not really an essential part of that part of the car yeah. and then because of lockdown and like the crazy restrictions around winter like literally no one can go in no one can manufacture um it's it's basically grinded to a halt and it looks like if like depending on what happens this week and like what happens with like restrictions uh, we we probably won't be going to competition and won't be competing so yeah that kind of sucks yeah it kind of it takes the fun of it because i've been waiting for this for my entire degree uh to work on these capstone projects because that's like that's pretty much the ultimate test yeah, it's like what you work your entire degree towards, right? Yeah, it's the um, uh, it's like it's the the, it's the end goal. It's that one thing you do before you graduate, where you're like getting the most experience, and you're actually working with a bunch of people, and you're applying everything, you know, all the the you know knowledge that you gain is finally actually coming to something, but. Honestly, um, I've kind of come to the point with COVID, though, and all the effects it has, where I'm like, I get it. I get why we need to do these things. And, like, the complaining is, is, is healthy. But, you know, at a certain point, you kind of just have to be like, you know, it is what it is. And, yeah, it's restrictive, but it's like the goal is to help save people's lives. And, honestly, if you're anti-saving people's lives, 
which means anti like restrictions, then you're kind of a you're kind of a dirtbag. So yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's like I've, yeah, it sucks that I can't work on my race car, but you know, I want someone's grandparents. Yeah, I want someone's grandparents to be alive, you know, as you know, and not die too. Yeah, I've kind of taken that mentality more and more uh, uh, surrounding COVID. Just about like you know, it is what it is. At some point in the future, I'm hoping as vaccines start ramping up, I'm hopeful that we can have a semi-normal fall next year. Although, I don't know if you've seen about the most recent um, vaccine shipment delays and all that. Um, I'm still hopeful, though. I I am hopeful hopeful as well. It's I think Canada's really fumbled on the vaccine front in terms of, like, delivery. Uh it, that, that's that's what, like my personal opinion based off what I read and stuff. But I think, I think like we won't probably like our age group and what we do, we probably won't get vaccines till like. I'm thinking like August, September maybe, maybe even like closer to December, which means like lockdowns are happening for the next the next eleven months or so, right? Like regardless of what we do. Which means that fall is going to be online again. <laughs> oh yeah, I I can tell you right now, fall and winter probably next year are going to be online. I I have no doubts because I doubt I think that if fall goes online, which it will, given that vaccine stuff has been delayed, um, the winter will go online because it is very difficult to justify telling people to move in the middle of winter to Ottawa to attend especially school. for international students yeah i agree with that i think it's crazy that how much my expectations have changed around lockdowns and covid because if you asked me in march april when will lockdown be over i would have told you oh we'll be back to school like normal in september there's no way this is going to last for four months and then here we are now a year later still in this situation and i'm like oh i could see this going on for another year yeah, no, it's it's because it's because people are like this this can't be that serious. It's to me it still boggles my mind that a virus in from a from a fishing village in China can can have the impact it does. And I know people who have gotten COVID. I know people whose family members have like passed away from COVID. I know like people who have been affected so the fact that something that seemed at one point in my brain as like, wow, we're being a little over dramatic, aren't we? To now, like I've actually seen people affected by it. I it just I've kind of settled into the thought that like it is what it is. Like you said, it is what it is. It's gonna take whatever time. Restrictions are not a bad thing. It's not. It's not. You know, they're not trying to lock us down. There's no conspiracy theory here. We're just trying to stop the spread of a virus that yeah. the thing that freaked me out though, that literally thought I was like, this is end times right now was the variants. When I heard about the COVID variants and how there's multiple of them and the, and the one in the UK that was spreading, like, I don't know, at an accelerated rate compared to the regular one. I was like, okay, end times, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is it, you know? My reaction was, it wasn't like end times, but 
I knew something like that was coming because just based on, you know, the reports I've read from, from doctors and about how viruses mutate, I knew that it would probably mutate at some point or another. Um, I just didn't know where and how fast, like I was hoping it would be a couple years. Maybe we'd have the virus under control or vaccines or something. I didn't think it would be this fast, but I figured that it was coming at some point or another. Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. It's, it's, um, yeah, it, it's um, it's crazy though. It's fucking whack. I hate COVID. Speaking, yeah. Speaking of lockdowns, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of started this whole wave of you know work from home movements and offices permanently closing, telling their workers to to work from home. I hate, um, I hate that shit. I I was going to ask you how you felt about this because maybe it's just where I am in my life right now and maybe I'll change my mind later, but I wouldn't want to work from home right now if I had the choice. Like I'd much well, well, okay, well, first, a pilot, I mean, a pilot working from home would be a bit questionable. Okay, okay all right. <laughs> um, but um, obviously, I'm not talking about when we when we're in lockdowns and when we have COVID, I'm talking about after. But if I was working in an office job, I would much rather be in the office than, than at home. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, but I think there's, I think that's us right now. And the fact that most recently we haven't worked in an office. I worked, uh, what were you doing this summer? You were at the I desk. Was, yeah, I was working with you. You were working with me this summer. So, like, I'd say that was a pretty office job. More so probably for me than you. Because for you, it was more like the, the regular stuff. But I was actually doing a lot of, like, like office things. Yeah. You know, and, like, reports. And, like, you know, writing stuff. And doing things that a computer could probably do. You know? <laughs> So like in that, in my experience there, I, um, I was kind of like some days where I was like, oh, I'd rather just do this from home. Like there's some, there's a comfort in, in that home life. And I know a lot of people who are in the workplace, like in the workforce would prefer to work from home. Yeah. And, and I think that we work like, cause, cause working Carlton this year, I know you like our job was not online. Like it was very much a lot of it was in person, even though we're doing a lot of stuff online, like at least near the beginning, we were like pretty in person. It was not an office job. That's a job where you have to be in person. So I feel like we're kind of jaded by that a little bit. I I think so, too. I mean, I think. You know, if people have their preferences, um, that's great. And like. If there's like a mixed model or people can work from home if that's their preference or come into the office office if that's their preference then great like we should be able to do that post covid um i think i'm just personally biased by the fact that i you know i'd much rather go into the office where i have you know a sense of like routine and like teammates to talk to and like that kind of stuff versus what i consider would be kind of like isolated in my home especially because the place i lived in the summer i didn't have like a dedicated workspace or anything i just had my room right Mm -hmm. so i found this to be a lot of like a big problem in fall semester as well you know my bedroom was where i slept 
It was where I did schoolwork. It was where I did work. It was where I did everything. And I don't really have that distinction. So I think in that case, going into the office helped me separate work from like free time, you know? I, I, I see that. Actually, now that you mention it, because I've been, I've been here and in this, in this small dorm room and same thing, desk here, hammock over there, you know, it's, um, it's definitely mentally draining to have that confined space where you're doing everything in that one space. I, I eat on the floor now, right? Cause I needed to distinguish that the floor is the eating space, right? Um, yeah. But like, I like, I, ha I literally have to go to lengths to make that space. So I, 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 you know what? I respect it. I think, I think your your point is valid here, and I think that it's it, like different personalities and like different situations probably play a lot into how enjoyable working from home can be. And I think it influences like where you'd want to work too. Like, if, we if were you could, okay, question: If you could be a pilot. From from a desk, you just you created a pilot room in your in your house. You hop in there and you're flying planes. Would you do that? No, never. And this is a really interesting topic because mm -hmm. when talking about automation, what's going to come next? A lot of people like to say that automation's the future and that's going to happen. So. My, I mean, the long story, my opinion, we can get into this um, if you want. But oh, no, I'm done. I, <laughs> I personally don't think automation is going to happen anytime soon. I think I definitely. Disagree. I think it's already happening. Well, in for certain sectors, you think airplanes are going to be fully automated relatively soon? The next uh, 10 to 15 years, yeah. It'll be cheaper. Wow. Not not saying okay wait that came across really condescending. Uh it's no, not it's, not to say cheap, not to right? say that your industry is like like pilots are not going to be needed. I think that I think actually I'd say probably next 20 30 years. Next 20 30 years planes will be flying themselves cuz it's just cheaper. I take on it is there's two things. Is full automation possible? Yeah, sure. With t today's technology, of course it's possible. Yeah. Is it realistic in the next 20, 30 years? That's where I say no. Because okay, what, what, what's, your, what's your argument for why it's not realistic? I think integration. Um, and I think you see the same things with the people trying to automate cars. Like at what point are all cars going to be automated, right? Some people were saying, you know, 10 years. I think it's going to be longer than that for cars alone. And I think cars are going to be automated in it. Here, here's the thing, though. Here's I think it's it. integration. It's taking into account infrastructure. If everyone is automated and if everyone's automated, how are they communicating with each other? Weather conditions, safety, all those factors. I don't see full automation in the next couple decades. Okay, so my only point of where I agree with you on this topic is that the only thing that can slow the human race down is the human race. So if, if, if people fuck with this shit too much, which we likely will, because given the current political, geopolitical landscape and the socioeconomic statuses of people across the world, I'd say we'll definitely 
fuck with ourselves. But it, given that that doesn't happen, given that we allow, basically, there are already a lot of things in the works. Tesla has a robust autopilot system, um, and which is which is i'd i'd argue the technology is there the infrastructure is building the integration is happening it's just happening very slow because what with these new technologies the barrier of entry is first high first you start by integrating the technology into like okay when cars first came around only the wealthiest people had the cars who who who, who owns teslas right now much see i still wouldn't say teslas are well yeah exactly your point they're not i wouldn't say publicly accessible now but the wealthier own teslas yeah well wealthier upper middle class upper class people own teslas and and there are options now starting to trickle down to the middle class but i don't think a lower class person or skills trade you know like or I don't want to say that because skills trade uh, tradesmen in Canada make a lot of money, but I mean like, like, you know, someone working minimum wage is not going to afford a Tesla. I'm sorry. Given that and the fact that they're generally trending towards building more electric, uh, like infrastructure, building more autonomous infrastructure, I think. And, and the fact that Tesla's autopilot system has been mimicked and mocked across all the, you know, these legacy brands, right? Like all the cars have like this adaptive cruise control in some capacity and are coming with more and more sensors, more and more technology. I think we're actually fairly well on the way in terms of integration. You also got to remember 10 years is a long time. Yeah, you're right. So even in 10 years, I think that the state will be at will be way further ahead whether at that point we're just like they're just taxis that are you know autonomous is or like you know not every car is autonomous just like taxis and stuff it you got to keep in mind the cost of adoption is hard like the cost of adoption of these technologies is high but once you start intro intro like automating things the general cost over time goes down because you don't have to, people are expensive. Right. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I think, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of, I, I mean, I agree with you on the car side, like um, definitely do I believe, you know, taxis or some kind of trucks will be fully automated relatively soon. Yeah. I a hundred percent support that. I think, where I'm looking at more long-term is just like complete full automation. Like the time where any person who goes to get a car, um, 20, 20, 30 they, years. That's, that's my 20, guess. 30 years. That's my guess. Or will, will people even have to own cars at that point, depending on how these autonomous cars work? Because I've seen a lot of, um, again, simulations on what the future may look like. And, fully autonomous cars are so much more efficient that you may not need your own car, right? You could just be able to use ride sharing services or get a lot more use out of these electric cars than your typical gas car um, right now. But going back to 
the full like airplane mm-hmm. automation scenario. Um, did you ever hear about the incident? I guess it was two years ago um, with the 737 Max. Oh, with the um, th- there were sensors, right? That malfunctioned, yeah, yeah, and so, then it, it it threw the planes into nosedives. So brand brand new airplane. Um, it was designed with a system that wasn't documented in any manual. Um, the flight crew, the airlines, didn't know that it existed. It was just designed to be a backup to the pilots, which is what a lot of automation in the aircraft industry does right now. Um, it kind of sits idle until something odd is happening and then it overrides the pilots to make sure everything is safe but what this thing did is it was i can't remember if it was blocked by ice or it was like obstructed or just something was wrong with i it. heard it was i heard it was ice buildup um that blocked the so sensors yeah, and convinced yeah. it like gave false so, readings yeah false readings incorrect sensor data yeah it thought you know the angle of attack was higher, the airspeed was lower, it thought the plane was stalling. And because of that, it was overriding the pilot inputs to push the nose down when the plane was at low altitude. Mm-hmm. And then subsequently, you know, the pilots weren't trained, they didn't know how to override it, um, they ended up going down. And this happened to two separate flights. And the airplane actually got um, grounded for over two years. Um, while well, they worked on a problem to fix it. It's actually coming back February 1st in Canada. It's I don't finally fly back. That shit, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't fly. Okay, so, so here you go. Here's my point. Lots of people are saying they will not fly on that airplane right now. The arguable crash of that airplane was incorrect sensor data which made automated systems But no, no, no. I yeah. think it, I think that okay. So I've looked if into people, this. If I've people do not want to fly on a plane that's on safe like that how can we expect them to get on an airplane without any pilots in the next you know 10 20 years because uh people uh, it's sad to say but people don't drive in like people people's needs or people's wants well people's needs do but people's wants don't drive companies the bottom dollar does um they need to sell you a product and they need to sell you a product or service at the lowest cost and fundamentally, in the next 20 to 30 years, the technology will be refined to the point where humans can fly airplanes autonomously. And it is much cheaper than hiring and training a pilot. And, and, that's, and, and here's, here's the other thing, though. We're, we're discounting a lot of factors. I'd say, first thing you're discounting is that uh covid the long-term effects of uh how this this virus has taught us that we're pretty globalized people travel from across the world to do business to visit what you know the large-scale implications of like a virus grounding people for a bunch of you know who's going to want to travel directly after the virus I think a lot of people are, but then I think a lot of people aren't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I do think that people will travel again when they're allowed to. Um, but I, I also think a vast, think, like, I think there'll be a portion of the population that yeah, will like, be I more skeptical. Think, I don't think it'll be at the same levels as we've seen 
prior to pre COVID, mm -hmm. like pre COVID, we were breaking travel records, like every single year, every single year, there would be more people traveling mm -hmm. 2019. We were at an all time high. The first couple months of 2020 were an all time high for January and February. And then COVID hit, and now they're saying we might not see recovery for five, ten years, or we might just never see it ever. And I think that's a really big uncertainty right now, which I guess we'll just never know until that time comes. I think there's a lot of factors at play, and I say 20 to 30 years. That's assuming everything goes right, um, government regulations permit, uh, I think, yeah, I, I think that fundamentally... You know what? In, in 30 years, I'll be just about at retirement age. So you know what? I'll, I'll give you till 30. You're going to retire at 50? Years. Oh. Well, you know, retiring soon. <laughs> You're going to retire. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Josh, Josh retires at 50. <laughs> are you you going to... How long do pilots fly for? What's a, what's a pilot retirement age? Um, they are required by law to retire at 65. So I would say average between, you know, 55, 65, I'd say between 60 and 65 is the average, like mm -hmm. the typical people, but you have to retire at 65. It's like a law. So you can't fly past 65? Not commercially. No. Not commercially. Okay. Okay, also, I have a question. I've always wondered this. How do you practice? Like, how do you get your flight hours? Do you have a plane? Um, it's all done on, like, a rental basis through the school. So. Um, oh, okay, okay. So I'm you rent the thing to... through the school. Okay. Yes, yes, that's correct. Um, I mean, I could, I would say, wealthier people would be able to afford their own planes. Um, it's just not in my budget right now. Would you buy a plane? I would consider it, yeah. I feel like even if I didn't want a career in it, it would still be like a hobby for me. Um, well, yeah, you put and, so much time into it. Yeah, and the like economics of owning your own plane, it's actually cheaper to do that than to rent it once you go, per, like, um, go over a certain amount of hours per year. Mm -hmm. um, and for me right now, I'm definitely over that. Um, but again, it's just... It's similar to a process of getting like a mortgage for like a house. Um, oh, I see. So it's like, it's like, you know, renting can sometimes be like cheaper if you're only renting for like a year. But if you rent for your entire, like, you know, you rent for like 30 years, you're going to be paying a lot more than if you just got a board. Yes. Yeah. That's completely correct. Yeah. And like renting, you're also not like, wait, can you lease a plane? That's a good question. I think you can. I don't think I've ever seen it done before, though. I bet you, yeah, you could probably finance a plane. Like, that might be, oh, like, a, oh, an affordable. Oh, like, 100%, you can finance them, yeah. Mm. Like, finance to buy. I'm not sure about, like, lease it. Like, how you would lease a car, I'm not sure how that works. Because I think when you lease a car, you have, like, restrictions on, like, mileage and, like, all that, right? Yeah, because you have to return it, right? You have to return after, like three to three to eight years or whatever your lease agreement is basically you you pay a monthly fee and it's usually less than a finance but after the like after the five years you have a balance to pay on the car to keep it or it gets returned and then it turns into like a used car essentially 
That's why they put restrictions on the miles and stuff. See, I wonder if it's worth it. I mean, I guess it depends on how much you use the car and how much, you know. Oh, but my, uh, like my family always leases cars. It's more of a, the way I've thought about it, it's more like you don't actually own the car. The bank owns the car and you kind of rent it, but it's a, it's a very good rate because it's like, you're basically signing an agreement for a couple of years, right? Like you're renting this on a year, like on a couple of years. And then at the end, if you really like the car, you can buy it. If you don't, you trade it and get a new one. Restart yeah, I guess it gives you that flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of car companies, and this is what the dealers make a lot of money, is they'll sign you up for um, like a zero down payment, right? So you don't, you, yeah. you can start buying and paying this car off for like a, a very reduced amount. Versus a finance, you have to pay off the car in your in your term. Right. Yeah, the finance is sort of like a mortgage, right? Where you're just paying it off slowly over time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if the lease model is is an airplane thing, but I bet you there's definitely a, a like a a finance option for planes. Leasing is definitely it's definitely an option. Um, commercial operators like the airlines, like a lot of things that. Um, people are surprised about is that the majority of airlines don't actually own their fleets. They're mostly leased. Mm-hmm. I've like heard about this. Yeah. Major, yeah. If you look at major. Sorry, Josh, you cut out. I would yeah, yeah, you cut, cut out, out there. Yep. You're back now. Uh, if you look at major carriers like Air Canada, WestJet and Canada, they actually lease half, if not more than half of their fleets. Yeah. Cause it's expensive to buy a plane. Yeah, expensive to buy. They typically have to finance their payments too because it's so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just cheaper in the short term to just pay for it month by month and not have to commit to anything. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Honestly, like airlines to me don't make sense. I also don't understand how you could own an airline right now and still be in business. Yeah, that's one thing that I've wondered too. I don't see how any of them... Well, they're definitely not making money at all right now, but... I feel like because but planes are still flying now, right? Because the like the planes are flying right now. I'm pretty sure. Just it's like very reduced. Like very reduced. I think that they have to maintain a certain amount of frequency because of some agreement with the government. I'm not sure about this. Don't quote me on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure there's something in they have agreements with the government. Um, because Air Canada used to be a crown corporation. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some mobility bill or something that says, you know, to get X amount of funding, you have to maintain these services. Sort of like um, sort of like Via Rail. So Via Rail is our only train service, I guess, here in Canada. Um, they have to maintain some of their services to provide like essential travel to these isolated places across Canada. Mm-hmm. Um that shit makes sense but okay sorry i'm asking so many questions about the airline industry this shit baffles me i think it's the government the government like bails them out right like they had to not in canada actually so far is it not so we're the only g7 country that hasn't bailed out the air industry so the u.s did it the uk did it 
most of Europe did it. I think we're the only country that has not done that yet. So right now they're just relying on their private funds, I'd assume. That's that's cold. It's cold as hell. Yeah, it is cold. And it, it makes you wonder, you know, if they were to go bankrupt, then what happens? Uh, no flying? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, everybody's gonna start using ground driving. Yeah, start driving. You know, taking ships yeah, again. Guys, we'll, 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 let's let's move backwards in in history. You know, let's get some let's get some ships going here. We're off to Cancun. It's a four day drive. You coming? Mm. But like, do you think that? Because like, do you think like freight and cargo is still a big industry? Or do you think that like freight and cargo i think is yeah definitely a big industry and i think it's expanding more and more because well, yeah because it because it because of covid and people are just buying stuff so amazon warehouses and like online shipping and like being able to just have things delivered is is let's more talk about amazon man let's talk Here's about it <laughs> i want to know um okay so i've been a, i've been in amazon um i've been one of those people that you know the the Amazon stands for like a long time. Yeah. Up until very recently. And um so I've canceled my Amazon subscription, but I have I have the yearly thing. So I still got like 6 months left. Okay. Uh the I like the concept of Amazon. I like the service like, it provides. How you can order something and have it in your hands really fast. Yeah. It's the instant gratification thing, right? Like, uh, it's like, oh, I really, like, I like I like records. Like, uh, when I was ordering records on Amazon over the summer, I would order it, and it would, it would be there. Like, within, within, the, within the week, right? Like, within two days. Within even a day sometimes, depending on, like, what I ordered. So, there's something satisfying about that. There's something very, like, amazing that you can order something and have it there. But it's and also shitty. Reason, yeah, but it's also shitty. I was saying that reason right there, like how fast you can get your item and also how low the prices can be, I think 100% are the main reasons why people use Amazon. Like we can all say, you know, Amazon is, you know, shitty. They have shitty business practices. They treat their employees like... Um, like, have you seen the stories about how Amazon warehouses, like the work conditions? Oh, they're they're terrible. Um, uh, the the uh, turnaround, the turnover in employees there, because people people go and work these warehouse jobs, they blow out their backs, blow out their knees. You know, they're they're not they're not safe lifting practices. They don't have proper training. Uh, they're on their feet all day. Like, like I I worked I worked at a Dairy Queen in high school, and I worked there a lot i've been do i did the double shifts and everything in the summers and i i've worked on my feet a lot but there's something about a warehouse job which is just so bottom tier there's there's like there's nothing like you you stand all day run around with people yelling at you picking packages placing orders shipping things out to maintain, yeah, in day. my opinion, an unrealistic standard. Yeah, definitely. And and the thing the thing is is like 
you know Amazon doesn't actually make any money from from like the Amazon.ca stuff. What do they make money off of then? Their web service. So oh, you know Spotify, okay. Facebook. Yes. Not, I don't know about Facebook is is hosted. Like but subscription I know, services, right? Like all of these, like Shopify, all of these things are hosted on Amazon's web servers, like their ah. cloud their cloud servers. So. The real money is in that industry because basically they provide a service to all of the big dogs in every industry. But, but the, the issue is, is like, they're not even running a profitable thing and the people are still treated so shittily, right? Like, like it's they definitely have the money. They have the money to change the working conditions and like mm -hmm. pay their staff. Like it's not like they don't. Well, you know how much? How much Jeff Bezos? How much? How much this man worth? Let's uh. Let's... Not as much as Elon, I don't think anymore. Oh well, Elon, Elon's son. I have my own opinions on Elon, but we'll focus on Amazon. <laughs> um, he's worth 182 billion dollars. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine what you could do with that money. Think about this. He's worth 182,000 millions, right? You know how, you know how like a million dollars right now in your life, would that be life-changing money? 100%, absolutely. So he has 182,000 times a million, like a million dollars. So he has enough life-changing millions like, like you could give a million to 182,000 people if you divided his net worth. I know and people are going to say, oh, his money's in, you know, it's not it's not liquid. It's not uh, it's not it's not all, you know, it's it's tied up in like investments. Tied up and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, OK, I don't care. This man got divorced and still ended up the richest. It, he, he divorced. <laughs> he got divorced. He gave away half. He gave away half. She became the rich, the first <laughs> richest woman in the top ten. The first. Oh my god. The or what's the, what was what's her name? I don't even remember. I just, I don't want to look. Up, but, um. Uh, I have no idea. I forget. Yeah. Um. Thirty-five billion is what she 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 was. Even that, like, imagine what you could do yeah. with that money. Like, no, okay, you so he divorced, or they divorced, she became the world's richest woman from divorcing this person. Want to get rich? <laughs> Want to get rich, just marry her. <laughs> yeah, just, just, go find a, just go find the billionaire. Um, just go find the list of world's richest, you know, women. And um, go tell him you're a pilot. You'll probably do well there. <laughs> Engineer, I don't know about that. They get weirded out. Too nerdy, you know? You can, you can give it a shot. Why not? Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. Um, but just imagine, like, the kind of change you could make with that, mon that much 100%. money. 100%. And, like, you and have it, so much money that, like, if you spent it on that, you wouldn't even notice that it's gone because you still have so much more money. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, like no, I like to, off. I like to, I like to compare him to um, Bill Gates. Uh, yeah, so Bill Gates has given a total of 
$45.5 billion since 1994. Yeah. And, and if you think about them, they, they are giving money to like develop infrastructure. They're, they're the ones who vaccinate and um, give treatments to uh, people, uh, countries that can't afford them. Right? Didn't I, I, I swear I heard a story about Bill Gates once. I'm not sure if it's true. Actually, it might have even been you who told me this. That he'll like, um, he'll go around, he'll drive around and he'll like break down and whatever. And like whoever helps him tow his car or whatever, he'll pay off their mortgage or something. Was that you who told me that? I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember saying that. But okay, um, it's, probably, it's probably not true. But it sounds like something that he might do, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised. It's just, it's just, he doesn't, he doesn't do it to like, to be famous. He doesn't do it. Yeah. Cause, cause here's the thing. Once you get over a certain amount of money, you can live comfortably. Right? Like once you, once you even have a billion, once you have a hundred million dollars, you're pretty much set. Whatever lifestyle you want to live. For the next little bit you can kind of live you can live right anything you make past there okay distribute the wealth you know like what are you doing and i think the the most problematic thing problematic thing especially with jeff bezos is the fact that in his company he can make the amount of money he makes and he can have people working for him that can't even make a livable wage in in <laughs> in the United States or in Canada even. The fact that he has that much money and can't like like the fact that they exist within the same corporation shows like truly what like a class divide that is and how um tax laws and taxation of the rich is not uh equitable. Yeah. Um yeah, we shouldn't we shouldn't have to depend on um the billionaires to be good people. Like I think that's a flawed mentality. I feel like that's like especially with all these corporations that are like arguably taking over now because of COVID. Like Amazon has seen huge profits now. Like chains like Walmart and all of them that are taking over from like all the small businesses that are closing because of COVID. And it's almost like, what are you going to do now to like prevent that and help small businesses like flourish? Like, cause you well, can't, they're not doing enough clearly. Yeah. It's really hard right now, but it's just like how after COVID, like what are we going to have left to deal with and how are we going to deal with it? I, I think it, that, that's a tough question. I think there's a there's a lot of work that has to be done and i think that it's up to people to wake up and realize like that we need to call on on taxation right we need to call on tax reform we and and it's not i know that people have talked about america a lot because america the problems are really bad i think we still like you know like even though Canada is doing good, we we still are struggling. Yeah. Small businesses here are struggling. We still need to um, tax bigger corporations. We need to regulate them. 
excuse me, uh, the, um, the, the trickle down economics, which is really old school and stuff, uh, which I thought was old school, does not work. Making the rich richer does not make the poor richer. Makes the poor poorer. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. But on, on the topic of finances, have you heard about the GameStop stock? To be honest, no. I, I heard someone mention it earlier today, and I was like, what's going on with that? But I haven't really heard. For, for reference, ever. about half a year ago, this stock was worth about $4. Uh, right now, the current price, I can look it up even. The current price uh is about two hundred dollars damn and it opened this morning at around 492 dollars is there like a reason for that or so so there's this uh practice in um the stock market practiced by a lot of these bigger uh hedge funds you know the greasy guys 2008 the ones who made a lot of money yep right um, it got bailed out. Basically, you know, all those, uh, you know, how about the housing crisis and how, um, they basically gave loans to people who couldn't pay them, uh, In 2008, yeah. yeah and then the, the whole housing market collapsed and, uh, uh, the government had to bail out these hedge funds. Yeah. Uh, so essentially that, uh, practice, uh, like the practice they use to make the money is, is, is called, um, shorting, shorting a stock. And essentially, it's like a bet, and the the hedge fund managers, the money, the money make like you know the the money makers, the they'll um they'll so, bet. Yeah, so shorting drives the price down, right? Yes, but you're also betting that the company is like the bet is basically the company stock is going to go down. Okay. And these hedge funds have so much money, billions of dollars behind them, right? And they'll go and they'll invest this, right? And they'll they'll basically bet that the um, the stock will go down, right? Uh, and so that's they they use this process. It's basically a re reverse of what you would typically do in the stock market, where you would buy low, sell high. They basically buy high and sell low. Does that make? It probably doesn't make sense. But you know, it, 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 like I know, yeah, I know basic um, like stocks and stock market. Well, yeah, because you're 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 in business, right? Business law, yeah. Okay, there you go. So you uh, know all this stuff. I, I'm I'm talking to you like you're you don't know anything. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so essentially, what's happening here is a short squeeze. I don't know if you've heard that, heard of that before. Mm, yes, I have. So, um, you know how if basically if the stock starts going up, the value of the stock increases then what happens to the um like what happens to these hedge fund managers who bet that even more. sorry oh they they Are lose they... money they lose money cuz they're they're they have to pay interest on these loans cuz essentially when they're taking the bet out they're they're making a loan they don't have to stake yeah. their own money but they are losing money they're borrowing it. yeah they're borrowing it so they're losing money and if the stock price keeps going up there's a certain like thresholds where they have to pull out and close their position. And essentially they have to pay back and sometimes they'll net negative. Um, so a couple people on the wall street bets subreddit, 
uh, noticed that a company um, called Citroen uh, was shorting the stock of GameStop uh, about a hundred uh, was one hundred forty percent of available stocks. So they were they were shorting this stock um, more than it was even available in the market, one hundred forty percent. Crazy. Um, and so they noticed this, and so they started buying all these guys on Wall Street bets. Started buying GameStop, uh, the GameStop stocks, and the GME stock has has literally risen. And they're hoping to hold on. They're buying and holding the stock. Yeah. So that by the time that the 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 hedge funds um, loans expire on Friday, they have to pay them back. They will. They will. They will literally go bankrupt. It's a war. It's a war of attrition to see whether these memers on the internet can hold on to this stock long enough. To I say, I say, go memers. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. This is this is go the little guys. guy because because you know, and and they're already screaming all these because these hedge fund managers are already screaming for uh, regulate this, close them down, and there's been a lot of controversies around it. So I don't know, how, like I don't know how much you want to get into this. But it's um it's interesting because um I think fi- like I think this is teaching a lot of people about finances and it's yeah cool I was to gonna say that. it's interesting because it's finally putting like the little guy on top of these big multi million dollar corporations yeah like like when's the last time that you've heard you know some guys on Reddit getting the better of a corporation like that never like this, this never. Shit never happens what do you mean. Getting the better than, <laughs> um, yeah, this shit never happens, uh, and it's it's just insane though, uh, it's insane that um, the stock went as high as it did. The issue now is once the stock gets really high, um, people will start selling it. So basically, the advice has been to. Hold on like to it. hold you know you have to hold it there are people that there's a guy who um on the subreddit who bought fifty thousand shares okay he now is worth 20 million dollars shit right he went from like 100k to 20 million something Imagine like how that. tempting it is to sell though oh yeah no but that that's what i'm saying is that once once you know that your stock is valued that high you're kind of like, I really, you know, should I really hold on to it? Like, should I really hold on to this? That's 20 million. 20 million. That's a lot of money. <laughs> That's a, it's a lot of money from 120K. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially, basically, that's been the battle. And it actually went down today about uh, $152. Uh, but it's climbing back up again now. Uh, so right now we're looking at um, 193. I think is the price. Yeah, but it's it's at three three twelve after hours trading, so it's climbed back up uh, about about 118 dollars. Okay. And basically, because um, the market's closed now, it closed at eight eight p.m. Um, so overnight, you're gonna see this rise, <laughs> and it um. <laughs> Uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to hope to buy as much of this as they can um, and basically put these hedge funds out of it. 
And then I the... just find it ironic how it's GameStop. Yeah, no, well, that's like... the, that's the whole thing, right? GameStop, the 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 company, right? Like, because they're the ones who are like all all gamers hate them, but all these GameStop. all these ga- all these yeah. gamers on Wall Street bets are. Bad. <laughs> it's like just they, the irony. They own they own EB Games and all those chains, right? Uh, I think so. I don't. I think the AB games might be separate. Oh no, it is GameStop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, EB games is uh, GameStop. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, you are right. Uh, anyway, so that shit's whack though. And um, are you still with me? Oh, I think I lost him. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, I think, I think we might have lost Josh here. Uh, okay, but yeah, okay. So, I think we'll end off the episode there. Um, just because, uh, sake of time. We'll definitely have Josh back on here again. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Brain Fart uh if you like more of this stuff there's there's more episodes if you like the longer form uh kind of just chats and and stuff i got some stuff with with jay uh and a friend of ours andy uh feel free to check out all the episodes on anchor youtube um but yeah no um this has been episode nine brain fart we kind of talk about whatever we want bye take care